Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Patriots Report is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, this week we're going to welcome in Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic. He covers the Bears. He's covered the Chicago football for an extended period of time, and he's going to give us a scouting report as to what we should expect Monday night in Foxborough, Patriots-Bears, 8-15 Monday night football as New England looks to go 4-3 and three on the season. But first, I want to talk to you guys about a few different things, specifically this quarterback situation. I'm a Mac Jones guy. I think he is the starter when he returns. I don't know if that's going to be this week against the Bears, but I do think with the extra day of rest, with the game moving to Monday, that's certainly going to help him. I don't know if that's next week against the Jets or if you even want to push it in November, but I don't think this has risen to the level of a true quarterback controversy, at least not yet, especially when you look beyond the surface. Zappi has certainly been given something of an opportunity for a soft landing here. As a starter, look, he's done well to execute. He's made just about all the throws. He's done really well holding onto the football. He showed good decision-making. Most importantly, he hasn't felt the need to go out and try and win games on his own. He's relied on his offensive difference makers around him, namely Ramondre Stevenson. But I think Mac is the starter when he returns. What he's done is given New England an opportunity to rest Mac Jones, get him back to 100% as opposed to maybe trying to force the issue and have Mac play when he's at 75, 80%, whatever the case may be. The real controversy, and I'm putting my quote fingers here when I say that, we're not there yet. As a guy who was there in 2001, I can tell you that the real intrigue starts when the entrenched starter is healthy enough to play. Then it's a controversy. Right now, it's just a side note for a team looking to go to four and three on the season. Okay, on to number two. One of the things here, that I think means something. It doesn't necessarily mean everything, but it means something when you're talking about the Patriots is the fact that their odds in Vegas across the board have improved dramatically as individuals and as a team over the last two weeks. Now, these are all from Bet Online. Let's start with this. New England is now 60 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. That's down from 150 to 1 two weeks ago. It's the same case for the AFC Championship. New England is now 25 to 1 after being 75 to 1 two weeks ago. Buffalo is still tops on both of those. Uh, Wads to win the AFC is now a 12 to 1 for New England. It was 33 to 1 two weeks ago. For what it's worth, the only other team that's had a really a dramatic and upward swing in Super Bowl odds the last few weeks is the Jets, who are 300 to 1 in mid September. They're at 66 to 1 now. Now, individually, after being off the board three weeks ago, Bailey Zappi and Jack Jones are now 10 to 1 to an offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year. We'll have more on the rookies here in a second, but. Look, that's a pretty impressive showing. I know that we're looking at a relatively small sample size in both cases, but to be one of two teams with rookies in the top five in both categories, that says something about the 2022 draft class. By the way, in Brees Hall and Sauce Gardner, the Jets have the favorites in both categories. Hall is 13 to 5, and Gardner, Sauce, is, is 3 to 1. Wanted to see if a team had ever had the offensive and defensive rookies of the year in the same roster the same year. And the last time it happened was 2017 when the Saints had Alvin Kamara. And Marshawn Lattimore, they both won. 
specific to Bill Belichick, his coach of the year odds have gone from 100 to 1 to 33 to 1 in the last two weeks. Those odds have actually been all over the place and probably rightfully so since early September. They've been ping-ponging from 25 to 1 at the start of the year to 100 to 1 to 66 to 1 to 100 to 1 again and now to 33 to 1. The, the names at the top of the list, and look, given these two guys and their performance so far this year, I think it'd be a stretch if Belichick did end up winning coach of the year, but let's not ruin completely out of the conversation. Nick Sirianni and Brian Dable, though, they keep their two teams winning, the Eagles and the Giants. They're going to be there all year long. Sirianni right now is one to one. Dable is three to one. One other note on, on these odds, there's, there's one guy, and I thought this was fascinating, who's seen his odds get longer and longer and longer over the course of the season. We're only six weeks in, but they've really ballooned, and it's amazing to watch. That's Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. His odds at the start of the year were pretty good at 14 to 1. In fact, they were better than Belichick at that point, first week of September. And now, now they've gone up consistently. Even when Denver's won, they've gone from 14 to 1 to 22 to 1 to 33 to 1 to 40 to 1, 60, 80, 150. And now they're at 200 to 1. You can actually get odds now on Nathaniel Ackett being fired. So it's a long way since the start of the regular season. Matthew Judon remains 50 to 1 for his part, to win Defensive Player of the Year. He was as high as 100-1 to two weeks ago. He's the 10th best in that group. And Micah Parsons, who really honestly should have the best odds right now, he's at the top of the list at 10-11. to Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Von Miller, Max Crosby, all excellent defensive players. They round out the top five. From a fan standpoint, I would agree with that after six weeks. I do think Judon can continue to rise, but at 50 to one right now, even if he continues his roughly sack a game pace, it's still a bit of a stretch to knock off guys like Parsons or Garrett or Bosa or Von Miller. All right. So why are these odds important? I think you have to put it all in context. Of course, the Patriots schedule the last two plus weeks has, you know, let's be honest here, been a little cushier than most. And with the benefit of hindsight, they probably caught the Packers and Aaron Rodgers on a bit of a downswing. So maybe three weeks in all. But this, as well as the news that the Bears and the Patriots line continues to expand, I think it's gone from seven to nine over the course of the last couple of days, is another sign that Vegas, these guys who are in the know and are really good at diagnosing who's a real team and who's a pretender, they're starting to come around on the Patriots. Will it last? We'll see. Look, I, I remember this level of optimism at the same time last year when they were starting the streak around about this time, actually, of eight wins in nine games after going one and three out of the gate. But at the very least, it does seem to validate the idea that this team right now is trending in the right direction. All right, on to the rookies. Number three, one thing that I've learned and, and longtime listeners of this podcast can tell you, and I've said it numerous times, that the way to measure a quality draft is if you can get three long-term starters from that draft. And I'm not just talking about guys who are just a flash in the pan and you know, guys who have a good first year, good second. You know, Sometimes it takes longer for guys to develop, and I understand that. I also know it varies from year to year. I mean, it's different for a team that has like four picks as opposed to a team that has 10. I know the Rams you know, throw those picks out the window, so you maybe disregard them when you have this conversation. But for the most part, if you can get three long-term starters, it's a good draft. Now, with that in mind, and I know the respective careers are still in the relative infant stages, but this group, this New England group right now, appears to be on its way, or at least you know, close to being the most impactful group of rookies in their first year in the league across the board since either 2010 or 2016. You consider Zappi, Jack Jones and Marcus Jones, Cole Strange, Tyquan Thornton, all big parts of this team through the first six games. 
some more than others, but look, they've all been part of this team that's now looking to improve to four and three on the season. We did a Twitter poll and Jack Jones was named the team rookie of the year through the first five games. I wonder if that would change maybe and be Bailey Zappi if we did it again, who knows? Anyway, this is a good group. And again, it's really, really early, but they've had an impact in their first year in the league. Now we talk about the best rookie years or the, the best draft classes that Bill Belichick has ever had. I, for my money, it's still 2010 because I was McCordy, Gronkowski, Hernandez, Spikes, and Zoltan Mesko. That's five guys who ended up being important parts of your team. 2003 class, they're in there as well. Asante Samuel, Dan Copen, Dan Klecko, Tully Benta Kane, Bethel Johnson, Eugene Wilson. Some of those guys dropped off after their first year too, but because of Asante's career, and Copen's career, I'd, I'd, I'd put that class in there. Really, for me, this group feels like, and again, it's really early, so I don't want to make a huge blanket statement, but this group feels like it's comparable to the group of rookies they had in 2016. And that was Joe Tooney, Jacoby Brissett, Malcolm Mitchell, and Landon Roberts, and Ted Karras. That was a good group. You had guys at the top end of their positions, specifically Tooney, and Mitchell had a really good rookie year, his only good year in the, in the NFL, his only year in the NFL, honestly. And then you had complimentary guys like Roberts and Ted Karras, steady, consistent performers. And then Jacoby Brissett, a guy who really helped out when they put him on the spot. So I, I think that when you stack up the 2022 group, they have the potential to match the 2016 draft class. I also, too, there's two other classes in there that don't quite fit the prerequisites for having three long-term starters, but they had two really good players. The 2012 draft class. With Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower, that was dynamite. They got those two guys right out of the gate, just defensive game changers their first year. The 2014 draft, among others, they also had Garoppolo and James White. That worked too. You can put that group in there as well. So what's the ultimate takeaway here? Regardless of what measuring stick you want to use, PFF, the eye test, traditional stats, whatever, the 2022 group has done well to start the season. And we'll see if they can keep it up and hit that prerequisite of three, at least three long-term starters moving forward. All right, let's get to our conversation now with Kevin Fishbane to The Athletic. He's covered the Bears for an awful long time, and he's going to be able to tell us what sort of team the Patriots are going to be facing Monday night at Gillette Stadium. Kevin, at the start of the season, specifically the win over the Niners to open the year, at least from the outside, the Chicago team looked competitive and perhaps ready to make some noise in the NFC North. Since then, though, at least from, again, the outside, there appears to be some struggles culminating in what was an ugly-looking 12-7 loss to Washington last Thursday. Where did the Bears get kind of off track a little bit, and what do they need to do to get right again? Yeah, well, you know, this team is built to win by taking the ball away on defense, protecting it on offense, and, and really running the football. And, and they did that really well against San Francisco. They did it really well against Houston, those two wins. But it's a young team. There's not a ton of blue chip players. So they have to have a lot of things go right. So you look at that, the most recent game against Washington. You, know, you can't go oath for three in goal-to-go situations. Uh, you can't muff a punt like uh, rookie Bayless Jones Jr. did. Um, you know, you can't throw an interception at the five-yard line like Justin Fields did. So th those mistakes, you know, they happen all over the league, but a team like the Bears that just doesn't have a great roster, has a question about the quarterback, 
brand new coaches staff, brand new playbooks, all those things. They just don't have a whole lot of room for error. So some of those things are just just mistakes happening. And then it just kind of is magnifying the fact that they don't have the type of guys at, at every position uh, like you need to, to win consistently in this league. I, I, the fact you bring up fields, I, I appreciate that because that's where I want to go next year. Obviously, in a quarterback driven league, a lot of it come from the guy under center. So what's your assessment of how he's played so far this season and when he's been successful, what specifically has been working for him? It's really tricky, Chris, to evaluate him because on the one hand, he struggled a lot. I mean, if you go through some basic quarterback stats, he's at or near the bottom of the league and just about everything except for yards per attempt because he it's, it's a strange thing the Bears are at that they I looked this up today, actually, they are sixth in the NFL in explosive rate percentage, but they're 17th in actual explosive plays. So like when they're actually completing plays, they're going for a lot of yards. They're just not getting a whole lot of them and still getting so many negative plays, tons of sacks. So like the sacks is a good stat to look at to kind of illustrate the problem we're having in Chicago and evaluating Justin Fields. Fields is taking way too many sacks. He's holding on the ball too long, but he also doesn't have a very good offensive line. And he doesn't have a ton of weapons to throw to in terms of guys getting open consistently. And it's a brand new playbook. So how much do you put on fields? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of rambling a little bit to kind of paint the picture of what the, the challenge that we've had here. I, I, the one thing I can say about fields is his abilities as a runner are rare for a quarterback. I mean, we saw it in that 39 yard scramble that was supposed to set the Bears up to win against Washington. Um, he leads the league in scrambles. Uh, when he's on the move, he can make some big-time throws. Uh, he's got a cannon for an arm. The problem has been, uh, and I think this is going to be really interesting this weekend because you know as well as anyone what, what Bill Belichick will do to young quarterbacks is reading defenses when he's forced to stay in the pocket and go through his progressions. That's that's the challenge for him. You know, At Ohio State, he had some of the best receivers in football you know, flying wide open and he hit them. Uh, he doesn't have that here. It's harder in the NFL. So the thing I could say about hit fields in year two, I don't think he's gotten worse than his rookie season, but there hasn't been a whole lot of evidence yet to tell us he's making those types of steps that can put the bears in position at the end of the season and say, Hey, yes, this is our guy. Definitively. We're going to build around him. We just haven't seen enough of it through six games. One guy who he may very well have this week is uh, someone who is familiar to the people here in New England, Nikhil Harry. Uh, I know he has not played in any games as of yet, but what have you seen from him in his overall acclimation to the Chicago system? Yeah, so the Bears brought in a lot of guys like Nikhil Harry, guys with chip on their shoulder, um, may have been a high draft pick somewhere, and, and let's let's give them a chance to to maybe flourish in a new spot. Um, and he might be the highest profile of those guys being a first round pick coming from a team like the Patriots for them. It's red zone. It's third down. It's blocking. You know, can he use his big frame to kind of be a weapon for them in, in pos- as a possession receiver? Uh, you know, we, I talked earlier about the, the major issues they had near the goal line last week. Can he be the type of guy that can be a go up and get it receiver for four fields? Honestly, the run blocking, you know, it's easy to kind of scoff at that, but I think that that's important for the Bears. They want to run the ball, and he's a big physical guy who has graded out well in his run blocking. So that's we saw a little bit of that in training camp before he got hurt, kind of what they want from him. But I'll say this too, Chris. 
he didn't practice a ton before that ankle injury. Mm-hmm. The Bears kept him on the initial 53-man roster so they could get him to IR so that he could return. So that kind of tells you that, and, and obviously they traded for him. So all those things tell you this is a team that believes he can factor in. And, and I know, you know, and you could, you obviously know this too, and your listeners do about what Patriots fans think of Nikhil Harry. The thing about Chicago is go look at the Bears depth chart at wide receiver mm-hmm. and find more than one guy that you can definitively say that guy's better than Nikhil Harry. Like outside Darnell Mooney, there just there aren't that many certainties there. So this is this is the right spot for Harry to you know make an impact and try to you know he is he is a reclamation project. That's what he is, and and this is the right place for him to do it because there's there's not a whole lot of competition. I have a theory with him that he would make a better tight end at this point in his career than a wide receiver. He has the big body. He has the blocking ability. I don't know if any of that may come into play down the road over the course of his career, but he seems to be the kind of guy who might be able to do that, you know, sooner rather than later, especially if he still has to, you know, if he has to work to hang around in this league, that might be a good option for him. Yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't really thought about that, but when, when I saw him in person for the first time, that was my first thought. Like, this is not this guy's built like a wide receiver. Uh, and the Bears in, in past years have had these kind of, you know, Darnell Mooney for one. Their best receiver is is, is small, um, you know, and, and you look back at some receivers they've had here. Taylor Gabriel certainly is, is well known for being small. And Nikhil Harry does stand out uh, as a bigger guy. And, and look, the Bears don't have a whole lot of depth or uh, long-term options at tight end past Cole Komet, who hasn't been that productive this year. So, yeah, I mean, that that's an interesting option for him. Certainly, the way I described him, third down, red zone, run blocking, that's tight end, right? Those, those are the things you look for out of a tight end. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I think we're all curious to see, once he gets on the field on offense, what Luke Getzey has in store for him. It's fair to say the strength of this offense is the ground game. Is that a safe assessment? Yeah, I mean, David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, that's the, the deepest room on the team. Maybe, you know, they, they would probably jockey with the secondary as being the strongest unit. You know, Herbert leads the league in yards per carry right now. He's got two 50-plus yard runs this season. Uh, Montgomery had a great game against Green Bay. One week after, everybody in town was kind of writing him off. Uh, the two of them, you know, they combine each other well. I think Herbert's probably better fit for this team, but you know, going back to our earlier discussion about Justin Fields, like if this team's going to win games, it's got to be on the backs of Herbert and Montgomery because you can rely on those guys, and, and that makes things easier for Justin Fields. So yeah, that's their strength. That's how they need to win games um, is giving those two the ball uh, as much as they can. You mentioned the secondary uh, on this team, and that figures to be you know you talk about the strength of, of what they do offensively it looks like the secondary is really the strength of this defense cornerback Kyler Gordon has appeared to be trending in the right direction Jaquan Brisker among others who else on that side of the ball should the Patriots look out for yeah well I was just going through Bill Belichick's uh you know 10 minute monologue about how the Bears are the greatest team since the 85 Bears and uh (laughs) yeah he 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 mentioned Eddie Jackson and, and Eddie Jackson has kind of found himself again uh, you know 2017 as a rookie he exploded out in the scene 2018 when the Bears had that great defense he was phenomenal and then he just fell off and you know he was very upfront about his struggles this new regime kept him and gave him another shot 
and uh, he's really taken it and run with it. And he's got a few interceptions already this season. Uh, you look at, you know, whichever the quarterback is for the New England, it's going to be a young quarterback. It's somebody the Bears are going to try to trick into turning the ball over. And Eddie Jackson's that ball hawk. He's he's been back to that. He's also tackling well, which is his number one weakness in the NFL. He's been really physical in the open field. So he's someone to watch. Jaquan Brisker, I think of all their new players, all the young players has the highest ceiling. I mean, he is really physically gifted, flies around at the safety, loves to stick his nose in the box, um, has a knack for finding the football. So he's another guy to watch because, again, that that's the strength. Um, and, and the other thing, which I'm curious to see, it, it's always fun. You know, I, I wish the Bears played the Patriots more than ever once every four years, because when you play Bill Belichick as a, as a beat writer of an opposing team, I'm always interested to see how the Patriots attack the Bears on both sides of football, because if Bill Belichick thinks, you know, we're going to make Justin Fields in the pocket and throw it, that that says something. If, if Bill Belichick says, I'm not going to let my quarterback throw it anywhere near Jalen Johnson, that tells you a lot about the Bears corner. Mm-hmm. You know, Aaron Rodgers didn't throw it anywhere near uh, in week two, and I thought that was telling. And, and I, I, I'd be interested to see what the Patriots game plan is for him because he's without a doubt their best cover player. And if, if the, the edict from New England is wherever 33 is, throw it the other way, you know, from a Bears perspective, that tells you that that's a lot of respect from a guy who, you know, you, you, you can hang your hat on that if Bill Belichick's the one doing that. So let me flip that question around a little bit then. If you're Bailey Zappi, and I think it's going to be Bailey Zappi, um, I, I don't think that Mac Jones is going to be healthy enough to go. Uh, who are you targeting in that secondary? Who are you looking at? Is there one guy that, that has a target on his back that, you know, says, <laughs> oh, rookie, throw it at me? Well, I, quarterbacks in the first five games went after Kyler Gordon and with a lot of success, uh, especially in the Green Bay game. Um, Aaron Rodgers went after him a ton. And, you know, the Bears are asking Kyler Gordon to play outside in their base defense and move to the slot in their nickel. They believe in him. They believe that's his role for the long term. But that's a lot to ask for out of a rookie. Uh, It's a lot to put on his plate. So we've seen a lot of quarterbacks go after him. He's coming off his best game, you know, against Washington. So, you know, can he build off that, you know, with the extra time? Uh, Kindleville doors had a nice season on the other side of, of Jalen Johnson. He's the one that comes in in the nickel and plays outside. Uh, he's probably better as a run defender maybe than past. And he, he got benched last year. So that's, that's somebody to, to take a look at. But the thing about this, this bears team, Chris is they're not putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Robert Quinn has, uh, I believe one sack and two quarterback hits this year coming off of a franchise record setting season the the front four it's just it's a lot of guys uh justin jones they were kind of hoping would be really coming to his own at three technique he's probably been their most effective up front but that that hasn't meant a ton they've got young guys at the dns dominique robinson travis gibson who have been probably their best players in terms of affecting the quarterback per snap but it just hasn't amounted to many sacks or impact plays so you know quarterbacks are finding time to throw it and, and and Matt Eberflus is not a blitzing guy. He does not like to bring pressure. Now against Washington, I believe at least the first two third downs Washington faced, the Bears blitzed both times they got sacks. Jaquan Brisker got one, Roquan Smith got the other. So maybe we see that a little bit against Zappi, you know, test the rookie quarterback with some of those blitzes. 
but but that's where the Bears have gotten beat because you, it, it's hard to ask Kyler Gordon to stay in coverage for a long time um, when you're not getting pressure on the quarterback. So uh, that's kind of something to, to keep in mind for this uh, Monday night. Is there someone for the Bears? You, you mentioned a lot of names there, but is there one guy in particular, maybe on either side of the ball, who we're not talking about, kind of an under-the-radar type who might not be part of a big-picture game preview, who, for whatever reason, has the chance to have an impact on Monday? Yeah, well, you know, Chris, with the Bears, everybody's under the radar. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to bring a roster to practice to make sure you you remember who everybody is. You know, Roquan Smith is obviously the main guy on this defense, the best player. I would look at Nicholas Morrow. You know, the Bears really, really liked him. They brought him over from the Raiders, one-year contract, kind of a prove-it deal with the hope that he flourishes and they can give him a long-term deal to be a, a linebacker for the future. He has had some struggles, missing tackles. He had a really glaring one on Saquon Barkley and lost to the Giants, but he's got a lot of sideline to sideline speed. And if New England's going to be pounding the rock as well, he's got to have a big game and he's got to help fill those gaps and make those tackles. You know, that's how this four, three defense is built that those linebackers are going to be able to, to get in those gaps and make those hits. So he's kind of one to keep an eye on in terms of the bears are just kind of waiting for him to make those consistent impact plays. And I feel like the way the Patriots might play it, he could be in line to do that. And again, somebody that just a little bit unknown, the bears are hoping for more. There could be more. He had a huge stop against Washington that, and it was a play Chris, and you know this as a, as a beat writer for so long, you see that play that happens and you kind of make a note to yourself, I'm going to follow up on that play mm-hmm. if they win this game. He made a third, that was third and four. He made a stop on Antonio Gibson short of the first down. The Bears had a lead and then Washington punted. And that was the punt that Bayless Jones Jr. muffed. Washington recovered, scored the touchdown. So we don't talk about that play, but I remember kind of noting it like, hey, this is the play they've been wanting for Morrow. Um, so I, I would kind of keep an eye on 53 a little bit um, in terms of an under-the-radar guy. But the biggest guy in this matchup is is 58, it's Roquan Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's the guy that if he's on his game, which he usually is, He's the guy that can make a, a an impact play that can change the game for the Bears. If you're Bill Belichick, what concerns you the most this week when it comes to the Bears? How does Chicago end up winning this game? Well, I, I look at the fact that New England's given the ball away a decent amount this season, and the Bears want to be this takeaway machine. And that's what Matt Eberflus was known for. Those Colts defenses were consistently some of the best teams at taking the ball away. And, and you're talking about a touchdown underdog on the road on prime time. You have to win the turnover battle. And I think that's where if you're Bill Belichick, you're thinking, OK, you look back at the Bears wins. They've won games when they've when they've turned when they've won that battle. And I know it's kind of sounds cliche because that like every team's goal every week is to win turnover battle. But that's one area where maybe the Bears can have an advantage because of the way the scheme is set up to try to goat teams and take into, into giving the ball away because it's been a bit of an issue for the Patriots this year, because you're going to have a rookie quarterback. That's probably the thing that, you know, Belichick, I, I, I'm not saying he's going to be so nervous about Bailey Zappi throwing as if he's facing the 85 bears, but I think he, that that could come into play that he knows that Eberflus is going to try to build this defense in a way that's going to force a takeaway here and there. And that, and that can change the game and what you know could possibly be a low score game. It's funny, Chris, cause I'm talking about this game 
maybe similarly to the way I would have talked about Bears or excuse me, Patriots versus Browns. Mm-hmm. And then I, and obviously New England put up a ton of points in that game. Um in, in, in not not necessarily leading these long drives and whatnot. Um, but actually th- this reminds me, Chris, I got a fun fact for you. Gotcha. That I, I'm gonna put on Twitter later this week, but I'll give it to you first. Appreciate that. So Bailey Zappi threw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know that only 12 quarterbacks in the history of the Chicago Bears have put up that stat line? <laughs> like, and that's one of these things that's going on in Chicago this week. That Bears fans are just miserable because they see that New England has this third string quarterback, a mid round pick <laughs> from Western Kentucky, can step in against a good Cleveland Browns team and put up numbers the Bears fans are praying for. Like that just nobody could come in here and do anything like that. Yet Bailey Zappi could go do that. And, and and there's like Justin Fields hasn't come close to anything like that. Jake Cutler never even did that in his time <laughs> as a Chicago Bear. So well, that- I think that's like a very illustrative point about these franchises because you've seen it there, Chris. The few times that Tom Brady wasn't in there, we saw what Jimmy Garoppolo did. You saw what Matt Castle did. And then now in the post Tom Brady era, we've seen some of the highlights from Mac Jones. Then you get Bailey Zappi. And it's like when you're when people in Chicago are watching the Patriots, you're like, why can't the Bears find these guys (laughs) to do that? But New England can find these guys to do that. It's been and that is the Bears longtime Achilles heel, basically, isn't it? Where, you know, yes. ever since the days of the late 80s, early 90s, they haven't been able to find steady and consistent quarterback play. Yeah. And, and that's the problem with Justin Fields is they thought they had it. They thought that, you know, they were ready to everybody was ready to run Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy out of town. And for one night, those two were on top of the world because they found a way to get the Bears Justin Fields. And at that moment, I mean, you remember that night because Mac Jones was on the board. The Bear, mm-hmm. the Patriots were right there. Mac Jones was also potentially in play for the Bears. Fields is dropping. The Bears are at 20. They trade up. They get the guy who beat Clemson. You know, they get the guy who was an, just an outstanding player at Ohio State, unlike any quarterback the Bears have ever had from in terms of his college accolades. And he put up some of the worst rookie numbers in the history of football. And there's a lot of reasons for that that would take 17 other podcasts to get through um, that aren't just on Justin Fields, but we're seeing similar problems this year. So yeah, it, it's, it's tough for that bear that there's like, there's conversations in Chicago, like, Oh my God, are we going to need to go through this again? Because you do have a GM in Ryan Poles that did not take Justin Fields. You have a head coach, Mitty Rufloos who did not pick Justin Fields. So the problem for this franchise, you know, since George McCaskey took over in 2011, they have never been able to get GM, head coach, quarterback, all in line together. The one time they did was last year when the GM and the head coach drafted Justin Fields and that GM and head coach got fired. So, uh, it, the, yes, it's it's been the problem for Chicago Bears football for decades, and this year is just putting it on another level because this was somebody that everybody in town thought could finally end the drought. Is there any conversation in Chicago about, and this is my last question, is there any conversation in Chicago this week about the fact that Belichick could pass George Hallis with a, a win on Monday night? Yeah, it has come up. It, it, you know, it'd be a, it could be a really historic day for the Bears and the McCaskey family because if the Packers win and the Bears lose, not only will Bill Belichick pass George Hallis, but the Green Bay Packers will pass the Bears for the most wins in the history of the NFL. 
Wow. And that's a title the Bears have had. I mean, it's taken it's taken a long, long time for the Packers to pass them. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's, you know, many, many games ahead in the series the Bears were. Uh, and that could finally come to a head this weekend. So, yeah, it, it is something that's come up. I think that it just is, again, indicative. Well, I mean, from a Patriot, from Belichick standpoint, it's obviously most importantly, it says a lot of what, what he's accomplished in an era where coaches can uh, look. Chris, I, this is my 10th year covering the Bears. I'm already on my fourth head coach, right? <laughs> you know, and how many how many years have you been covering the Patriots and you've had well, yeah, Belichick? One. One guy, right. so, one guy. Yeah, it, it, it's it's amazing what he's accomplished. I think that's there, and then I, but I do think from a Chicago standpoint, the the it's not like anyone's gonna be surprised. He's Belichick's reached his point, but it'll be a reminder of that this team has just not had anywhere near the success that it had in the early days of the NFL in the '60s, in the '80s, in the early '90s, and then someone a couple of years with Lovey Smith that they just have not found that consistency and they, you know, every team in sports wants what the Patriots have had and the bears are so, so far away from anything close to that, that I think that Belichick, that that will be symbolic. I think of, of how far away they've been from something like that to kind of see Belichick, you know, take the torch from George Hallis. Kevin, thank you very much for your time. You've given us a lot of good stuff here. Let people know where they can read you as well as follow you on social media. Yep. You can uh, check out my work at The Athletic and uh, follow me on Twitter at KFishbane. Sounds good, man. Take care and hopefully we'll talk soon. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Want to remind you one more time. This episode has been brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports at events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.